Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Good morning. Welcome to Glory Church. My name is Kate, and this is Greg, and we are the lead pastors here. And um, we're doing things a little different today. So we're in a relationship series called The Love That You Give. And last week and this week, we've been talking about sex and sexuality, something that we really feel was more powerful coming from us together. Yep. And we were really excited to be here. Honestly, before we even get started, if you missed being with us last week, or maybe you missed it on the podcast, or uh, I would encourage you this next week to listen Mm into last week's message. It was really exciting. It was the first time that Kate got to teach with me uh, on the Glory Church stage. We taught together before we launched, but uh, I was really excited to share with uh, you guys our heart on sex and sexuality. And honestly, it was a foundational one. And so we talked last week about how uh, God desires for us to be more than conquerors, Mm -hmm. even in our sex life. I mean, even those who are single, you can have a more than conquering sexuality. And it uh, it all depends on how you connect with others. Is God present? Is He fueling you? Satisfying? satisfying you, all of that. And I'm really excited to press in on that a little bit more this week. We've had so many questions from couples, from singles about Mm -hmm. what sex practically looks like in a healthy way, in a God-honoring way. And so that's what we're sort of diving into this morning. Last week, we talked about the why, the why uh, between a healthy sexuality, and this week, we're really getting into the how. It is the practical nitty-gritty of how that sort of fleshes out what we talked about if you were with us the first two weeks of this series, how I said that a healthy connection is when we have godly expectations and Mm -hmm. godly discernment, how we have this expectation fueled by what God can do and what He can do a part of it, this God belief but also this discernment, this understanding, this ability to make correct decisions. And so we're getting into those practical tools, and I I challenge you, these are going to be the nuts and bolts of how to make a healthy connection with everyone. So we were thinking of like our own relationship and like other relationships we know. What are those foundational tools, those things that we use, the attitudes we have, the goals that we have, um, what are some things that are really practical for you guys um, that will help transform um, your view of sex, your sexuality, like how you connect with others, no matter what stage of life that you're in? And so we came up with three things that we feel like are really biblical, foundational in acting out a healthy sexuality. Those three things are communication, honor, and growth. So these things can be really transformative no matter where you are. So we just really want to jump right in and get started with this. Um, We'll probably spend the most of today talking about the first one, which is communication, (laughs) because it's honestly like the backbone, the foundation of all of our actions. And so we're going to dive into that and we'll probably spend a lot of time here talking about communication. Uh, Communication helps lay the foundation of healthy sexuality in action. Hmm. So how we talk about sex and sexuality reveals what we believe, and it also um, can help keep us accountable of what our actions are. So if we're not speaking about sex and sexuality, then maybe there's some shame, maybe there's some lies that are in there. And as a church, we historically have not done a great job talking about sex and sexuality, which is, we talked about that last week. So we really want to help you guys and set you guys up for, okay, so how do we talk about it? If we don't know how, how are we going to start this 
communication about sex and sexuality. Yeah, Paul writes to uh, so many churches in the New Testament, and in almost every one of his letters, he tells them, challenges them to be of one mind, to have this united approach to everything. I mean, to the Philippians, he says that if there's any encouragement in Christ, Mm -hmm. meaning, have you ever been encouraged by God? Have you ever been consoled, consoled by his love? Have you shared in the spirit of the Lord? Have you had compassion or been given compassion and sympathy? Then he says, make my joy complete by being of one mind. Have the same level of love, be in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility begin regarding others as better than yourself. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. And In other words, this is what... Uh, Kate said last week, this is that level of intimacy of truly knowing people and letting people uh, know you. This idea of being one in mind, of sharing our burdens, our beliefs, Mm -hmm. our desires. I mean, being united in truth, it's not just something uh, that is beneficial to, to a married couple, but you, as you engage in who God is, you will need to be united in the pursuit of his people as well. You need to be, you need to be united in pursuit and united in purpose with mm-hmm. your, your fiancé, all of the above. I mean, if you think about it, our church historically under the guise of uh, protecting people from sinful thoughts or protecting people from the dark abyss of sexuality, we have kept it closed. We haven't talked about it. And in doing so, uh, it has really set us up to be uh, unlike-minded when mm-hmm. it comes to our burdens or our fears or our confessions. And and it hasn't taught us a really good job of how then to rewrite that and re retrain our mind to speak a different script. Our culture is so focused on finding a spouse. Like from yeah. a very young age, it's how can we, you know, find a husband, find a wife. Um, it's just very uh, focused on this like future spouse that I think honestly that's where the enemy like wants us to keep focused is like, I want to find this spouse. Like I'll talk about sex and sexuality, like just with who I'm dating or yeah. with my um future spouse, but we then neglect the community that we have around us and we forget that it is in this community that we can already start to find healing of our sexual wounds and missed thoughts about sex and sexuality that comes from the communities uh, right here around us. So whenever we start talking about sex and sexuality, I get it. Like it's awkward sometimes and you don't really know how to start, but if you're not already trying, like what makes you think that the second you become married, you're going to be okay and comfortable talking about sex? Like if you, if it makes you like cringe, if it makes you like really insecure, just even saying the word sex or thinking about it, then you're going to, that's just another thing that you'll be bringing in to your marriage. And it's not just going to automatically like be easy to talk about sex and sexuality. So what we really want to do is like, let's lean in to our communities that we have right now um, as you're single, wherever you're at, but especially, you know, finding that friend or that mentor that you can talk to about, um, about your sexual beliefs, about what's happening. It's whenever we, um, can say what we believe about sexuality, then if we can talk to someone about that, they can either affirm that as true, like, yes, like that is what God wants, or they can help call out lies in us. Yeah. And the same with our actions. Like this is where accountability comes from. And I just, I really want to hit this, that you should be talking about this with someone of a same sex friendship. 
you know, you have a guy friend, like if you're a woman, like yeah. you don't need to be talking to them. Um, again, that'll be creating some unhealthy connections. For sure. Uh, you really need to find that friend or that mentor that is going yeah. to be able to speak into your life. Um, we had that when we were single. As I was growing up um, in high school, the Sunday school teachers that I had uh, were absolutely amazing. Like even though the church itself, like in sermons or as a whole, like didn't teach me some of the correct views on sex and sexuality, my Sunday school teachers were super awesome. They actually threw my bachelorette party for me, which sounds really funny, but who better than a wise married Christian woman with a very vibrant, healthy sex life to teach me about sex? And so it is because of that foundation that um, I felt comfortable talking about it and really had a great view of what sex was because I had people in my life that were speaking those truths into me. And then Greg and I, like as we were dating and engaged, we had um, an older couple that was wise counsel for us. So whenever, like last week, we talked a little bit about our wedding night, whenever that didn't go as planned, (laughs) we had someone that we got to call the very next day and talk to about it that was able to encourage us. So like right now, no matter where you are, you need to be looking for these friends, these mentors um, that can really teach you the truths about sex and sexuality. For sure. And then as a dating relationship begins, those of you who are single or looking to date or maybe engaged, as that dating relationship blossoms, like that communication that she just spoke of is built off of. And I, when mm-hmm. I say built off of it, I mean it. Uh, one of the biggest lies of our culture is that as uh, you get closer with your significant other, you will, you should and inevitably get further away from the community around you. Mm-hmm. That, it, that the only way to have a vibrant uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, or fiance, or married relationship is to segment and separate everyone else from it. And can I tell you, in the world, that may seem like wise counsel, but in the kingdom of God, that is the worst possible mm-hmm. thing you can do. And this starts right now. Honestly, as we get closer to each other, we should also be getting closer uh, to the kingdom of God. It's not one or the other that if you want to pursue that girl that you hope you marry one day, you better pursue her in the context of God's people. Mm-hmm. If your pursuit limits her from his people, then you're pursuing her in a wrong way. And so right, communication right. is a very powerful way that you do this. And it's this reminder that it's not just you and that girl or you mm-hmm. and that boy, that, but that person is a part of the, the bride of Christ that ultimately you want to showcase in your life. And so if you distance her from that, you're distancing her from the glory of God that she has rightfully been able to showcase. And so it's really important as we get into this, what we communicate. And then when it gets into our one-on-one communication as a dating couple, it's that whole like, what do you talk about? What do you not talk about? What do you dive into fully? What do you maybe limit? All of that comes with discernment of wondering like, what, how much is too much to share? Uh, all of those very valid questions. And honestly, as you walk this road together, one of the, the best things that I can tell you is um, allowing communication in a dating sense to be the, the definition of where your relationship is. Mm-hmm. And I say it in this way, our culture loves to allow physical interactions to be like the gauge of how far you guys are, or how close you are. In other words, think about it, how, how much elevation, how much uh, emphasis we put on that first kiss. And that first kiss means so much. I mean, that sets the bar on where you guys are. And then in the world's ways, uh, the wisdom of the world is obviously in a year, two years, you should have now crossed some more physical uh, boundaries or you're not as close as you think you are. 
But we just have to take that thought process and set it aside because in the kingdom of God, it's way more about our spoken beliefs, our spoken burdens, our spoken lies, our spoken victories, our spoken convictions. Mm -hmm. Let those be your communication should be the gauge of your intimacy, your communication. That's how we know how close we are or how far. And so it's really powerful. We have to retrain our thoughts and very practically uh, what it looks like is as we talk about issues and talk about beliefs, we protect all of that by allowing that conversation to also be in the light of God's people. Meaning like whatever I discussed with Kate when we were dating, I also made sure that she was not the only person who knew it. Why? Is because then I didn't like give her the authority over my words or just give her the whole like, uh, it wasn't up to her to mend me or to pray for me. It was up to God's people. And then she was a part of that story as well. And so this is something that, that whatever I say, whatever I speak, it's not just a conviction that I'm telling her sexually, but it's also like, I want my brothers to know my convictions Mm -hmm. sexually so that when we're together, they're for me too. And it's, so it's a very powerful thing. It's interesting. Uh, we, we think that personal boundaries, because I love God and she loves God, or that, that fiancé you have loves God, and you guys can just pursue God together just by yourselves. But honestly, uncommunicated boundaries are unkept boundaries. Mm-hmm. And many of the times we communicate our boundaries to this person, but we neglect communicating or speaking them to the people of God. And so they're really uncommunicated. And that's when we slip and fall. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing we want to talk about is communication in marriage. Honestly, this is the question that I receive the most out of any other question of married people, especially like women, because I'm a woman, um, is how do I talk to my spouse about sex? Yeah. How, how do I do it? And it comes from, again, this, like, if you're not laying this foundation of, like, healthy communication about sexuality, then it's going to be hard in marriage. You yeah. know, I have friends that, um, you know, they've been married for 10 years or more. And they're like, I still don't know how to tell him when something doesn't feel right or when I'm insecure about something. It's yeah. like, how do I tell them? When do I tell them? Like, I have kids running around. Do I stop in the middle of us having sex to talk about something? Do I wait for later? How do I bring it up later? This is honestly like, yeah. it is one of the hardest things is communicating about sex because one, it kind of like puts the spotlight on us in a way that feels uncomfortable, but two, like we don't want to hurt our spouse. Yeah. And so there's this, just this big like tension and like awkwardness and how to communicate um, about sex. Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, most of the time we present our baggage of the past or our sins or our wounds as this like complete uh, opposite side of us or this thing that was in the past. It was closed. Book on that whole edition of Greg is over. Mm-hmm. And we just present it as a historical book of fact. And I will tell you that, that sometimes when communication uh, is, is messed up in a marriage, it's because you're taking the sins, the wounds of your past and just claiming them as like that old person, which though it's true, it's a lie of the enemy that doesn't now allow growth to happen between us two. Because what happens is like, though that's my wound of the past being brought in, that's now her story. And she needs to know because we are, the two should become one. Right. And what God has redeemed in me from the past now he has the ability to redeem us in and often we just like close the book and and uh, spout out facts like 
we went that far in that past relationship. We did this twice. We did those things. Uh, That happened. And what happens when we just do facts is we don't speak of all the things that that sin touched, all the things that it changed. Because though God brought healing and maybe forgiveness from the act, if you remember, like, uh, seeking out true repentance, it's not just this, I sinned and I'm sorry, or Jesus, forgive me for that failure or that past mistake, but it's also allowing God in open dialogue to start retraining every thought, every pattern, every action, every belief that that sin touched. Because now you have actions that you do based off that sin. And when it's just a fact, it, you're not allowing the word of God, or even the goodness of your marriage to reshape and bring about new actions. Yeah, so if you and your spouse are not already talking about sex, like, I encourage you, put it on a date night on the calendar. Yeah. Like, ask your spouse, like, hey, can we sit and talk about um, our sex life, uh, things that we've gone through in the past, and, like, how that's connecting to today? You might not want to do that in the middle of a restaurant. Maybe you go on a picnic, or maybe you just decide one day at home after dinner, instead of watching TV, we're going to sit at the table and we're really going to talk about this. Um, Just that like intentional like initiative to like, hey, we really need to talk about this. I think it's really important. But secondly, married people, I really want to give you the permission and the freedom to just kill the mood. And we don't like to do this. We don't like to kill the mood. You know, we're in the middle of, you know, foreplay or like just getting into it and something like happens, something triggers us and we get distracted and we think, oh gosh, like we're already in the middle of this. Like, I don't want to hurt his feelings, like, or her feelings, or I don't want to get into this right now. Um, let's just like, let's just get it over with. And then like, maybe, maybe it won't bother me that much. Or maybe like, I'll bring it up later. But then like our headspace isn't in the correct, like mind with our spouse. Yeah. Like we're already not creating intimacy because we've been triggered and like and then later never happens yeah yeah and then and then afterwards like it's even more shameful sometimes like it seems to bring it up and like well now how do I bring it up now that it's like not actually happening like was it really a big deal maybe it wasn't a big deal maybe it won't happen again yeah and so we talk ourselves out of talking about things that really matter so I just want to give you permission to kill the mood because honestly for Greg and I this is been the time where we most often talk about sex is when we talk about it while it's happening and we kill the mood because you can usually tell whenever there's a disconnect happening emotionally and often we don't bring it up right yeah and we don't bring it up and so then the other person's probably also like oh wait what's wrong she or he like doesn't seem like they're into it anymore um our best conversations about sex sexuality or sexual wounds have come from conversations in this context. And I'm, I will promise you that the intimacy that you feel after that conversation, once you get through it, the hard, the awkward, whatever, you are going to be closer to your spouse after that conversation than you ever would have from just that one sexual act. Yeah, and this is the moment when you start bringing up like communication, right? Uh, this is the moment when I start bringing up the facts of my past and mm-hmm. allow it to make sense now. 
I think the most, like I, I'm disconnected right now and I think it's because like it reminds me of how I felt then. Like I, I right. feel like it's going to be dirty if we do this or like it just, I'm, I'm reminding myself of old patterns of things I've seen in the videos. Maybe some of you have pornography in your background and you wonder why in a moment sometimes you feel disconnected. It might have to do with the shame you felt then that is now bringing up now. It's not, it's, it's coming up now and hurting your ability to be present. And so a way that you can do this to, to not hurt or to bring more wounds is, is that whole, the story that I'm telling myself, right? Mm-hmm. Let your things be known to your couple, to your spouse. Uh, and so you could say like, the story that I'm telling myself is that when you don't touch me like that, it's because you don't want me. Or the story that I'm telling myself is you don't touch me like that because you believe that I'm just as dirty as I believe. Or the story that I'm telling myself is that when you just come home and want intercourse, just want sex, you just want to go for it, is that you want that more than you want me. That you don't want to really connect with me. Or the story that I'm telling myself is that when this happens or that doesn't go as planned, that it's because I'm not as pretty or as sexy as you claim that I am. That you don't really love me in that way. And the best way to do this, one, it, the story that I'm telling myself puts off the blame of them because often it has nothing to do with them, right? right. They're, they're, your wounds have nothing to do with them in some sense, um, but, or also you could say the story I'm telling myself is that when you still do this, it's because you haven't heard me when I've asked for it. Right. And sometimes yeah. it does like have to do with them. But in that pause, you can really discuss and talk through it. And honestly, those sentences, when framed in a way of wanting intimacy, can be so transformative. They're not a blame game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this way to like, let's pause. I I'm not in the right headspace. Let's talk through this. This is what I'm believing of myself. Another thing that I think is really important to talk about in regards to communication in marriage is even how you communicate about your spouse to others. I mean, again, it's really great to have that best friend or that mentor that you can go to when you're having struggles, when you need to talk something out, when there's a hard time, a hard season that you're going through with your spouse. But if we're only ever talking about negative things about our spouse, then it's really going to create bitterness and it's going to put a wall in between you and your spouse and you're going to lack intimacy. So we really need to be careful that whenever, you know, we say something negative, it's almost like, you know, say five things positive. Like, have you heard that before? And so when we're talking about our spouse, like, yes, be honest with your best friend about like the struggles you're having, but you really also need to be telling your best friend all of the great things because then you're painting this picture of your spouse um, that is negative. And so then, one, you're reinforcing that in your heart um, and just creating that bitterness, but also your friends might then start to look at your spouse in a negative light. If if you never tell them the good things that happen and you only tell them the bad things, they're only going to think bad things are happening. Yeah. And so we really need to like be painting this whole picture of like, yes, like I love my spouse. They did this really sweet thing um, and just really honoring our spouse in that way. And another thing is even, so say we're out together with a group, I shouldn't be calling him out like in a negative way in front of other people. Like I can pull him aside and tell him like, hey, maybe you should have said that. Or like, hey, I don't really like it when you do that. But when we call our spouse out in front of others, it is... It's so hurtful and it really just, it can just create, again, more bitterness between you guys and it's not honoring to them at all. 
Yeah, and so as we get into that word honor, that's really the second part. So we talked about communication, um, but really the second tool, if you want a healthy and vibrant sex life or mm-hmm. a vibrant sexuality uh, as a single or dating person, the word honor is huge. Paul tells the church of Rome to love one another with a mutual affection, and he says, outdo one another in showing honor. And we can zoom past that because that chapter of Romans is so good. It's chapter 12. Uh, we can zoom past that, but think about how powerful that is. This mm-hmm. is the only time in scripture where we are commanded to outdo someone in something like we are to literally be better at showing honor than other people like that's just it's a fun way to see that but honor is something that we don't do very often uh, honor is something so void in our culture and so if you want a, to a good definition it's this that honor is the privilege and I like mm-hmm. we put that word for a reason it's the privilege that we have as believers the privilege of showing people a high level of respect of showing people a high level of dignity and of value. And honestly, sexual misuse really hurts our ability to cultivate honor. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes it's the patterns that were developed from our past sexual misuse can really uh, disrupt and hurt our ability to honor today. Even though those things aren't happening anymore, those things really shaped how we view or how we mistake honor or dignity or value now. And so honor's huge inside of a dating, a, a fiance, a, a married couple we must honor. I mean, think about how rampant the porn industry is in our culture, Uh, how rampant it is, this ability to take the human body and use it for self-pleasure, of take the visual idea of sexuality and sex and make the individual on the other side of the screen feel satisfied, feel hopeful. And all of these are fake feelings of hope and satisfaction. But what is being communicated over and over by the enemy is that uh, this idea of love or connection that can be void of dignity and value and honor. Uh, One of the most difficult things to imagine or see, but probably the most powerful things if you're struggling with pornography is to get outside of the the idea of what you're visually seeing and think practically about the people. There was this Netflix uh, documentary on the porn industry that came out. It's not on Netflix anymore, um, but it came out a couple years ago that showed what happens when the scenes cut. And you would see women run through the bathroom to throw up. You would see the pain on the men or women's faces, the, 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 the amount of shame, the weight that instantly was bore on them the moment that the cameras turned off. You see pleasure, but the instance it was ended, the documentary showed pain. And what this allows us to do is realize that that is a human being on the other side. That that is a human being, and that brings about intimacy. And and honestly, some of us have been so ingrained to see the opposite sex or to see uh, gender as the ability to please me, and we don't even realize how narcissistic, how selfish we've become, and how void of honor, and the enemy wants it to then hurt how we engage with everyone. I will tell you, without honor, sex in any way, like even married people, without honor, sex becomes for the purpose of glorifying self. But in honor, honor molds it, it communicates it, it pushes it for the purpose of glorifying God. Mm-hmm. And that is how our our sexuality, uh, when we're in bed, that's how we can worship the Lord, is because honor is a part of it. Mm-hmm. It's not me getting my fix or her scratching some itch. Like that's, that's a phrase common in our world. No, it's for the purpose of honoring one another. Mm -hmm. And that is when God is uh, glorified in it. And so for those who are dating, let honor be the lens at which you see the other. I mean, practically, can you guys have sex tonight? 
Yes. I mean, practically, can you cross boundaries today? Yes. Can you physically please them and them physically please you? All of that is, of course, you can. You can literally do whatever you want, whatever decision you make today, you can do. But is it honorable is the question that we have to ask. In the lens of honor, we pause and ask, like, is this dignifying to them for me to cross this line? In other words, uh, the, it's from honor that boundaries can be firmly made. And often our church teaches us what boundaries to make. And so you're like, I don't, don't go there. I don't go this far. But all of it's out of this like assumption that it's just because that line is bad. Right. But it's when we truly make a line, a boundary out of honor, that that place is firm and we're not crossing it. Why? Because I value them too much to do that. And so honor really reshapes. So now you ask, to, in, when it comes to your fiance, you ask like, how God can I honor you, her heavenly father, every time that I touch her? And, and what then, what touches would be dishonorable to you, her heavenly father? Because at this point in time, you got to remember, those of you who are dating or are engaged, though you are set to be married, you have not yet given your whole self to them. Your body is not under their authority and their body is not under your authority. Therefore, they are not yours. And so now, like though anything may be permissible by law, it's not beneficial because there's no honor. I, 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 she's not mine to touch. He's not yours to, to mess with. And so it's, even if you guys are okay with doing it, mm-hmm. Out of honor, honor firmly says, like, I will wait patiently. I will endure with patience, with perseverance, until God claims you as mine and me as yours. And this is something that Kate and I, like, had to practice very, um, very <laughs> vulnerably. I mean, my past sexual wounds were obviously way greater than, than Kate's, and we, we said that a little bit. So uh, when I got into a relationship with Kate, when we were uh, late high school and throughout uh, college, one of the things I was very vulnerable and very open with was, when we kiss, I'm not going to press up against you. When we kiss, like, you've seen it in the movies, you've seen it in the TV shows, what happens in a makeout, um, I'm not going to do it. And I, because I've had this whole history of, of sexual pleasures, like, I'm, I'm not going to press up because me pressing against you is really for the purpose of pleasing myself. Think about it, men. You pressing up against her without her being yours is really for the purpose of, of self-pleasure. Though it may please her, she's not yours to touch. And so none of this is going to uh, like devalue her until she has authority over this and then can claim that she wants it. Now, does that make sense? Like, there's just this whole change of how we do it, but engaging in this is so healing and transformative when we honor And honor definitely plays a role in marriage. We talked a little bit last week about how you can still have sexual fornication in marriage. And that was one of the main things that we uh, got questions about from last week's message was like, can you go more into that? Can you clarify that (laughs) a little bit? Um, So we we want to do that. So we we had mentioned how if we're not honoring God in our sex life, then um, sexual fornication is happening. And so we this doesn't mean that like every time we feel like, Okay, we want to have sex. Okay, let's stop. Let's, let's pray. pray. Let's That's like not... ask God into it. That's not what we mean. But um, we can honor God by honoring each other. And so sex is this beautiful act where like you can honor each other, where you can um, come together to 
comfort one another mm-hmm. or express joy or celebration. Um, but it really comes down to that motivation of like, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to know my spouse? Am I doing this so that my spouse can know me better? And am I honoring their mental, physical, emotional state right now? Um, There's been times where I've been, where I've been sad, where I've felt like really discouraged and sex is, it, it is a beautiful thing to help comfort one another where you can come together and be like, Hey, I'm really feeling this way. And like, it's like, just honestly, this like show of like weakness sometimes of like, I just really need you. And that that's so beautiful. And there are times where we come together because it's like, we're joyful and we're happy and we're celebrating like sex is fun. Like it is. But then also there's times where like, maybe I want to distract myself yeah. from really diving into something. And so I'm using sex as a distraction and that's not honoring to yeah. Greg. That's not me wanting to get to know him better or hoping that he gets to know me better. It's actually me putting up a wall, like, yeah. hey, I don't actually want it, you to know me. I don't actually want to talk about this. So let's do something else instead. Um, so this is where, like, sexual fornication yeah. can happen. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about um, just honoring each other, especially physically. So, you know, in sickness and in health, like, sickness, <laughs> injury, um, even, like, something as small as, like, a headache. Like, these are all things that we really need to honor in our spouse. Um yeah. And just be really attuned of like, are they like physically okay to do this right now? Um, as someone who has had four children, um, I've had a lot of time periods where sex wasn't on the table. I had two pregnancies where I was on extensive bed rest. I've had a recovery from a C-section. And then even just a recovery from like natural, regular childbirth. Like it takes a while. Mm-hmm. And so there were these seasons where like physically sex was not an option. And I think sometimes, you know, if that is happening for a long time, we can get this, like, bitterness. Yeah. And sometimes, um, even though we may not be, like, physically forcing, we might be, like, a little manipulative, maybe, like, doing some offhand comments. And again, like, that's not, that's just not honoring to our spouse. Yeah, and men, we need to understand this. Like, it's it's important. Honoring your wife above yourself means to understand her and her body and where it's mm-hmm. at today. And, and that's really important to be a student of it, right? We talked about this a little bit. The level of hormones that are flooding through a new mom. Uh, I mean, you heard last week that oxytocin is released when a mom is breastfeeding. And I remember that, uh, this was a really hard thing to learn when we had twins because Kate was honestly like her whole life was breastfeeding and her body was producing so much than oxytocin that literally like she felt connected enough. And I, I like, but out of um, misunderstanding, I could take that, that she's neglecting me. And bitterness can come through when instead of verbally processing with honor, giving her the benefit of the doubt. And even though she may at the time not want me, it's not because she doesn't want me. It's because she just isn't her libido. Her desires are just not there right now. And that like that allows then intimacy to look different. And that all starts when you um, 
allow honor to be at play. I mean, speak your desires. Honestly, if you're in a spiritual, or a, not a spiritual drought, a sexual drought as a couple right now, speak your desires to one another. That's a part of communication. Speak your frustrations, speak your heart, speak your, uh, your desires, but remember honor in it all. Remember that utter value that the other person has. Mm-hmm. Remember that they're a human, not set to please you. No, God was for the body and right. the body is made to be satisfied to God. So there's nothing that she can do that's supposed to scratch mm-hmm. that itch or, or make that frustration. Stop putting it on her. Uh, it's really interesting. You have to remember, honor remi- reminds you of their humanness, their pain, their heart, their hurts, their limits. Mm-hmm. And I think the moment that we play uh, the thought of like what they should do for us is the moment we've given ourselves over to bitterness instead of honor. Uh, They shouldn't do anything for us. The scripture is all about me sacrificing for them. And so like, yes, there are things that naturally for her to love me, she she should do for me. But I don't think of that. That's not the the running thought that I go to in conversation. I say, how can I love her? And that that might just be patience, honor, persevering, Mm -hmm. putting myself aside. And the enemy uses literally whatever he can to to get his hands on during that time. Uh, honestly, you should have open dialogue of what masturbation looks like because that could be a very small but powerful tool right. during a sexual drought for dishonor to come in because it, we don't communicate it. And if we don't communicate it, then it becomes this side thing in our life and right. where, it's, where it's hidden, it can fester and, mm-hmm. and grow. And so all of this goes back into honoring is communicating and honoring is communicating. So for sure. Yeah, and we, I think we really need to honor the readiness of our spouse. Yeah. Just like continuing this conversation, whether that is physical readiness or maybe it's um, maybe it's mental. Uh, maybe there are some triggers that remind of like past experiences or abuse. Um, really, just honoring people's readiness, honoring your spouse's readiness. Like um, maybe it's experience. Maybe someone is extremely less experienced than the other, and they're like, I don't really know. If I'm comfortable doing this, like yeah. I don't know if this sexual act is something that I feel is okay. And if your spouse does feel like it's okay and you don't, sometimes there can be this like, you know, am I wrong for thinking this? Like, why don't I feel it's okay? But like as someone who loves another, I think you just really need to honor that readiness. Like, you know what? I don't need this. And they're not comfortable doing it for whatever reason. Like, I'm going to honor that. And, you know, yes, let's have it still be a conversation, but I'm going to honor whenever they're ready trusting that God is going to grow our sexual relationship. It may not be with that specific thing, but like he is going to grow it and transform it. Um, the longer that we're together, uh, the sex we're having today is better than the sex we had when we first got married. Yeah. Because we know each other better. It's always going to get better. So I need to honor the readiness of my spouse. Yeah. And that literally leads to this last. And as we close, I mean, if you remember communication, honor, and the last tool is this idea, this belief of growth. Mm -hmm. And this is really powerful. Did you know that the best sex of your life as a believer, or even as a human, like this is statistically Mm -hmm. proves it's in your fifties and sixties, you experience the best sex of your life. And so 
how you know it now is not what it could be and right. will be. Um, but honestly, when it comes to the word growth as a believer, one of the most life-giving truths that you can believe right now is that God is not done with me. Right. God is not done with her. God is not done with him. And this honestly sets us up for so much hope-giving encounters. And, and that can be one of the biggest squashy, squashing thoughts of intimacy is, is how it is now is how it will always be. Or, or they will just never change. And these kind of things are just not true. Because right. in the context of what God is doing, He is shaping us into being more like Him. There is freedom at His work. And so uh, to, this is why like, Paul tells the Corinthian church that like, circumstances don't have to change in order for you to follow God. That's why he's like, if you come to faith and you're uncircumcised, Gentiles, you don't have to change to be in better ground with God. And those who are circumcised, you don't have to change anything. And that's just, that's not where it is. Those who were servants, you can now be free in the Lord without having to change any one of your circumstances. And this is really powerful that God can mold me and change Kate without us ever having, um, I, I think of like the world is huge on money, ever getting a better mm -hmm. circumstance or a better home or a better house, like all or the better spouse or a better spouse. Yeah. No, circumstances do not have to change in order for God to grow us. And it's really powerful. So that expectation of mm -hmm. growth, uh, it sets us up with success when we have some hope giving phrases that come. So we wrote some down, um, the reality of spiritual growth can lead me to believe that the lies that I believe about my body today will change over time. And some of you, you need that to be an open door that the lies that you believe about your body, because growth is a tool that you're going to operate with, because you believe that God is molding you, that's not going to be how you believe them to be. That's not, those aren't going to be the, the tools that you look with in the mirror tomorrow, that God is shaping you. Another one is the things that hurt me in the past will not always hurt me in the future. Some of you, maybe early on in your marriage, things hurt you. And that is set up what you are willing or unwilling to do or willing to talk about and not willing to talk about. But in the growth of what God is doing, you can claim they will not always, they may not always hurt me in the future. So I will believe that God can grow. Do you want to go into more? Um, another hope-giving phrase that we can say is, how I was used or abused in the past is not what God wants for my future. These things that have maybe given me trauma, that's not what God hopes for me. Um, I can learn and enjoy new things about sex. It doesn't have to be the, the same thing. Like I can look forward to learning and enjoying and doing new things in my sex life. Another thing we can say is like, I will not always be triggered. That kind of touch, that kind of um, experience won't always trigger me. I mean, yeah, think about it. If, if it always triggered you, then you will literally be where you're at forever in your sex life. But the healing that God brings, growth, the possibility of that, that is a tool in my, our tool belt. Mm -hmm. Reminds me like how it is now won't always be how it will be. Another way, another thing, the images that are in my mind will not always be there. And some of you, yeah, you might still have images from the past, uh, past things you've seen or looked at, but they won't always be there. Another thing you can say is my spouse and I, we can overcome our sexual difficulties and have a thriving intimacy. Some of you, you need to write these things down and you need to claim them as something that will be true. Another one is I can forgive myself for what happened then. These are growing statements and that they may sound so simple, but the, the fruit that it produces is undeniable. And then we have last, the last two ones. I will say one and then Kate can say the other. Like I will not always look at women 
or if you or men this way. And some of you have been so conditioned with, with uh, this loss of dignity or loss of honor in how you see people, but it won't always be that way as we walk with Christ. And the last one is sex with my spouse can and will get better. Just like we talked about. Yeah. When you're first getting started, things sometimes are complicated and they're not easy. But knowing that as we know each other better, we're going to know how to do this better. We're, yeah. It can and it will, it will get better as we continue to grow in intimacy. And honestly, that reminder of growth, those statements when, when spoken again and again, they reshape our perspective. They remind mm-hmm. us to expect godly things. Uh, godly expectations are this, this huge ability to remind myself that like my limitations may be present there, but God's aren't. And so he's going to reshape us and rechange us uh, over and over. I was telling our small group that the most demeaning thing that I can do for Kate is to expect uh, how she was yesterday to be how she is today. As if God isn't molding her. But some of you need to realize God is molding your spouse. Now, this is where I need to, the caveat, uh, where Paul says, if you're married to an unbeliever, like you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to divorce, like stay married because your faith may be their salvation, may save them in the end because they see. But honestly, uh, those of you, this, this is something I need to just speak right now. Those of you who are in a dating couple, dating relationship with someone who isn't a believer, Honestly, uh, the ability for them to grow is drastically less because God isn't a part of their heart. And so the, the whole belief of they will change by the grace of God over time isn't something you can, bec- like you, you can uh, bet on. Like That is why Paul says don't be unequally yoked. Because honestly, you may be able to honor them, but they don't know the Lord of honor and they cannot do that for you. And so it should, it's, it might be, that might be harsh to speak, um, but that's not, we're not missionary dating, all right? Do not do that. Um, because though you may grow into being in Christ's image, they don't know the God who, who can change them and shape them and change their bad attitude or heal their wounds. So as we end, we got some questions for you. How can you right now start talking about sex with people? Um, how can you start opening up the wounds of your past? Maybe it looks like you seeking Christian counseling. Maybe it looks like you have an open dialogue with some brothers or some sisters. Maybe it looks like you saying, hey, babe, I think that we need to bring to light the issues that we have, not just with each other, but how about we also start talking about them with other people, like to, to find a community around us. And if you are married, maybe that's offering to be a safe place for someone yeah. to be able to talk to. Maybe that's going to your to your friends, whether they're single or married, and be like, hey, I know this is something we haven't talked about in the past, but I would love for this to be an area of conversation that we can have. Whether I need to come to you or you need to come to me, I want to establish that this is something that is safe for us to talk about in our friendship. Yeah, and then when it comes to honor, how can you honor that person today? that opposite person? Uh, how have there, there been moments of dishonor of your past that you, maybe you can confess and seek reconciliation from? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to bring honor into your marriage today? Another question is, how can I pursue the betterment of those I'm in a relationship with instead of just my own pleasure? Yeah. You know, can, how can we flip the tables and think about how can I serve them? How can I help them grow? How can I... Um, just be there for them instead of this, how are they helping me? How am I getting pleasure from it? How am I reaping the benefits of this relationship? 
Yep, and the last question, uh, what do I hope for for the future? What do I need to believe that God can do? Uh, what have I limited him on? Like, what have I doubted that he could do for, for my spouse? What do I need to pray for regarding that? How do I need to believe that there are, are good things to come? And then start forming statements mm-hmm. from that. Let it be transformative. But as we end this morning, I just want to pause and pray for where we're at. Uh, let communication, let honor, and let growth come from today. Um, but let it be soaked with prayer, this ability to just hand things over to God and trust Him. So will you pray with me right now where you are? God, I believe that you are moving in great ways this morning, that there are relationships where communication will bring so much more healing than they ever expected. God, where honor can can thrive in a marriage by just pausing and speaking up our wounds. And so God, I pray that right now we would realize where where your spirit is, there is freedom. That, that we are alive right now. Our heart is still beating on this earth because you are not done shaping us. And that belief, let it thrive in us. Patience and perseverance. The ability to pause and give, uh, give such love and grace to others. Because you're not done with us and you're not done with them. So God, may we have marriages, may we have dating relationships, friendships that thrive because you are our satisfaction, our fuel, our substance, that you may get the glory in it all. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.